Hello, welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm Casey Rossi, your transformative business coach. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy. Hello, my friends. My guest today is a golden ray of sunshine. She actually spreads warmth and bright light wherever she goes, both personally and professionally. Her name is Petra Page Mann, and she is the founder of Fruition Seeds, which is a seed company right here in Naples, New York, and so much more. And she's a dear friend of mine, and I am really excited. I was like a little kid today. I was like, oh, I get to talk to Petra today. Woo! So welcome, Petra. It's so awesome to see you. Likewise, Casey. You are such a ray of sunshine and such a beautiful mirror, and it's such an honor to share this conversation with you today. I'm so excited. So share with our listeners, like, I know that you, your kind of mission is that seeds and people both have the potential to change the world. And so I think that's absolutely beautiful. I would love it if you could share a little bit about your backstory, like what got you so drawn into the world of seeds and food, really? I just like to eat is the truth of the matter. (laughs) And I really have my parents to thank for that. They are marvelous cooks and they love to grow food. And especially my father, my mother was very much the, you know, she had a half wine barrel full of thyme, oregano and chives. And if you don't know, you can plant that and it will be there for 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Even if you do nothing. And that's my mother's style of gardening. I love it. <laughs> and my father had, you know, to me, it was a huge garden. this like 20 by 40 garden. And, and we saved some seeds and nothing, nothing exhaustive or extensive, but we'd always save some tomato seeds and we'd always save some bean seeds and we'd always save some flower seeds. And so, you know, when you were talking to little six-year-old Petra, I and asked her, what do you love, Petra? What do you like to do? Mm. I would never have told you save seeds. And I wouldn't really have told you gardening either because I wasn't going to tell you that I loved to brush my teeth. <laughs> it was just something that I did. <laughs> <laughs> Took marvelously for granted and I'll always be so grateful that that was a gift of second nature, commonplace normalcy that um, was just handed to me. And so it wasn't until many years later, and fast forward, there's a lot of other juicy, marvelous, hilarious, ironic details, um, but I come, basically imagine Petra as a 19-year-old in one, one of the wildest places in the lower, lower 48, and I'm there for weeks and weeks on end doing amazing work in the wilderness, and I'm eating processed cheddar cheese that doesn't mold after being a month out of refrigeration and Ritz crackers. And I'm like, this is a disconnect. A lot of the most wild work out there, you feed yourself with the most processed industrial food. And so at 19, I realized there is an intersection in agriculture of not only food, but soils and insects. And, and I was gradually falling in love with people again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I started to work on 
small scale, diverse farms all around the country, all around the world. And a few years in, I realized that kind of genetic diversity was the heart of all of those conversations. Let's talk about bees. Let's talk about horsepower. Orchards are cool. But how does it all relate to genetic diversity? And so... I worked for the better part of a decade on lots of organic farms that grew organic seeds and just gradually come came to see. I think of it very much as slow food as opposed to fast food. Mm -hmm. The slow food movement is just honoring process and the culture and the, as much as the like, final product. And so I think of my education and my process as very much this curiosity-driven exploration of intrigue and passion and then all of a sudden I'm like for seven years I was like I think I'm gonna start a seed company but it really wasn't until the two years prior and the two days prior to be honest that I was like yeah this is happening right now oh man you said so many juicy things I love that beginning I love the fact that your innate wisdom was like this is a disconnect when I'm putting the cheese on the rice cracker you know like something's different here I'm out foraging I'm in the wild I'm earthing awry so I think that's really cool I love the whole recipe of kind of curiosity and passion and also the love for people and what you do really shows up in that way. I'd like to just back up just a minute because I'm wondering if our listeners know about the definition or the um, kind of the spectrum of genetic diversity. Could you speak to that just briefly? I would love to. So genetic diversity is the foundation of resilience on this planet. And by resilience, I mean what happens after a rain when it rains in the forest there's all the soil that soaks in the rain and then anything extra that is on the surface falls into streams and that is flowing like there's when you have resilience and that diversity within an ecosystem all of a sudden no matter what happens rain or drought you'll withstand that and you will rise above it and he'll become stronger as a result. Mm -hmm. So because life on earth and like this crazy thing that we've only known for a handful of decades called DNA can reinvent itself constantly and does, we all of a sudden can live on every, there's a life on every, literally every place on this planet, mm -hmm. even in volcanoes, even six miles under the ocean, even mm -hmm. way up in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Life is everywhere. And that's a testament to the foundation to genetic diversity. So how can a home gardener contribute yeah. to genetic diversity? Oh, so awesome question. So think of our think of our gardens and our gardens for the last 10,000 years that we've been saving seeds as a species have very much reflected the environment around us. And there's maples around my house, there's pines up around your house and oh my goodness. There's so, even within a five mile radius, it's ludicrous how much diversity there is in an ecosystem, much less five miles, 50 miles, 500, 5,000 miles. And so as a species for 10,000 years, we've been cultivating, domesticating these seeds. Really, I think they've been domesticating us, but that's another conversation. And so, so all of this diversity has been reflected naturally in our gardens, in the way we eat, in the way we live for thousands of years. And it's just in the last century and a half that as the industrial revolution has revolutionized our culture and how we think of ourselves as owners of things, mm -hmm. all of a sudden that's turned seed from a commons. Can you imagine owning the air we breathe? 
into a commodity. And so now seed, instead of being this thing that is just this commons that we all hold and share and have responsibility in common, like very deep ownership in the best sense of now over 80% of the seeds on the planet are owned by one company. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so, and so the question people always ask me like, are your seeds GMO free? And here's the question to ask because no, you're never going to find a packet of seed that's a home that's in that context. Um, you have to sign all of these, all this paperwork and who had to have a GMO seed. But most seed companies are in fact owned by a larger seed company that's owned by a larger seed company that's owned by that one seed company. And so the question to ask is, are you an independent seed company? Are you owned by a seed company that does sell GMOs? Because most seed companies won't be able to say, well, of course, we are not owned by that one seed company. Most seed companies have to say yes. Wow. That is, it's a huge subject. It's so, so interesting. And um, what I would love for you to speak to, because I know that you're a believer, as am I, that we learn so many beautiful lessons directly from nature. And what I heard from that, from the standpoint of the solopreneur, is if we're going to parallel nature as far as genetic diversities, two key points of resilience and diversity, how do you find that parallels for you as a business owner and for other solopreneurs? I love that question, Casey. Have I mentioned I love you so much? (laughs) Here's the immediate parallel that comes to mind. I can't do this alone. And I love, I love your phrase of solopreneur and it's very apropos and it resonates with so many of us. And indeed, Mike, there's no way, other way, better way to say it because so many of us are on our own doing this work, but we have to remember that we're truly not alone. And there's so many other people, so many other, whether it's technological tools or other kinds of tools in our lives, material and spiritual that will join us on our journey. And augment and amplify um, the joy and the productivity, however you want to, (laughs) whatever metric you want to use, you're not doing it alone, (laughs) Mm -hmm. solopreneur or not. And so honoring that diversity and really tapping into that diversity and, um, and that resilience for me has been really challenging because I'm definitely, as much as I am such a collaborator, I'm also such a rugged American individualist. And it like brings me such pride, both in positive ways and in totally unproductive ways. <laughs> I do this. Um, and I've got to do this myself. Um, and so being humble being humble enough to know when you need help and know how to ask for help gracefully, knowing that you're not going to knock it out of the park once or twice or every time that it's another skill to learn, to Mm. ask for help. Um, And that, that I think that resilience and being able to bounce back from those little bumps and those big precipices that we fall off. That's so valuable. I mean, that that is just a, just a whole bunch of nuggets of wisdom there. And I think for folks that may be new to the business world and expecting and maybe into that comparison lane, which is really easy to do in the digital space, you're really kind of comparing maybe your beginning to someone else's three years in or five years in or even more. 
And I think that that um, concept that you talked about, that don't put the pressure on yourself that you're going to be perfect or that you're going to knock it out of the ballpark each and every time, or especially on the first time, having a little bit of self-compassion and grace as you kind of move through this. And also humility, which is really hard because when we're used to kind of being the cook chief and bottle washer, sometimes humility feels like weakness and it feels like to ask for help, we would maybe be like less than. So I really love that you brought both of those points in. And also, I know that you have a team and in the beginning that you you started, this was all on your shoulders. And I would love if you could speak to kind of the compare and contrast of that because I know many people are still um, kind of a team of one. So I would love it if you could speak to when you first founded this back in 2012, how was it kind of being a team of one, even being a collaborator and really kind of resting on the loyal, the laurels too of of kind of elders before you, because I know you did a lot with that in the beginning, Mm. but that to now, like if someone was curious about, should I bring team members on or how does that kind of change the scope of, of your of your business. Could you speak to that a little bit? I'd love to. And it's, you know, I think we're a unique, <laughs> I think we're special, Casey. Yes, we are. <laughs> we're very, we're very unique. Um, and as a general arc, we, we're barely paying ourselves to begin with. And we certainly, you know, in my mind, like, of course, pay people, more than you're paying yourself to do work that they will knock out of the park that you never will. I get that. If you don't have money, you still don't have options. Um, and so we were really fortunate in year two. I mean, we've been year, we've been fortunate from day one. No, like day negative 7,060. <laughs> but but on, on year two, we had various people coming in and volunteering and helping out and doing, and just, calling us up and being like, it's 8.30, it's Wednesday, I know you haven't eaten dinner, I know you're in the fields, come over for dinner, we have extra food on the grill. And so, but amazing things, but year two, we had um, a woman come call us up and, and more or less beg to be an intern. And we tried to tell her differently. We were like, listen, we're not taking on internships because we both, Matthew and I, had been interns. And to do an internship well is just a huge amount of investment on the part of the person taking on the intern to really invest and give them so much. And we knew like we had no time or bandwidth for that. Mm. So um, we're really flattered, but we can't pay you and we're crazy because we're in startup and we're doing some fun things, but we're mostly crazy because we're in startup and we can't pay you. And the fact that she kept continuing the conversation, we were like, she's either really into it or like, she's so naive (laughs) and like doesn't know a red flag when she sees one. And it turns out um, Dandy was neither. And, but she's an A, A, a plus 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 all the way through and she's still she's been with us five years now and I never thought that someone would believe in seeds and believe in the vision of fruition to the extent that um, I would and to be honest everyone 
everyone else that's come on with us has followed a similar trajectory where we weren't able to pay them at first, but they made, came, insisted, made themselves invaluable. And now they're a part of our team, a part of our family, and I can't imagine life without them. And we pay them better than we pay ourselves. <laughs> uh, I have the chills. That is so wonderful. You said so many things that people can learn from that. So it's kind of like, you know, it's so interesting. I mean, start before you're really ready because you need people before you even <laughs> essential. <laughs> you must start before you're ready. And on the other side, I totally commend the people that were so perseverant that like, no, you need me. You may not know you need me, but I'm a rock star and you totally need me. So I think that's really cool because so much of, a, of what you do and what you radiate is passion. And I think that, you know, like begets like. And so it's no mistake that people that wanted to be on your team, on the farm, on their knees, you know, digging in the soil. I mean, this is not easy work, you know, that you have to have that juicy, innate passion in order to show up. So I think that that's just remarkable. I love it. I know that in the very beginning, and this was one thing before you even opened the doors, you may have had your name, but it was before you even opened the doors. I think it may have been one of my very first times I met you prior to 2012, and you were doing these wonderful educational free talks in the community. And I just thought, wow, that is a lot of information. Like, this is a course, you know, and you were so passionate even then with your just bouncy self at the top of the room with not a bit of insecurity. I was like, this girl's got confidence to beat the band, you know, and it was just so cool. And so much of that, you were giving so much respect to people that you were learning from, which I thought was really cool. And again, that brings in the humility. And you did a lot of research. It was like, well, in a couple of years, I'm thinking of doing. And I was just like, wow, in this day and age, people get an idea and they flip it open tomorrow. And that's probably why many businesses fail in the very first chunk of time, because there isn't that foundation or that research. I would love it if you could talk a little bit about the importance of researching a business, both both before you open the doors and also during, because I think education is a big part of staying on the cutting edge. Yeah. And I, it's honestly, I always feel like I'm behind the ball and in that vein and many others. And it has this unique tension of motivating me to get out there and learn more and just do more because I know I can. And, but yet on the other side of that is feeling paralyzed and like amazed by the things that I haven't known that now that I know, and oh my goodness, how audacious was I to even do X, for example, start a seed company. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so finding finding the the self compassion in the midst of that those tensions to so like use that dynamic tension to motivate you to just show up and keep learning more rather than be like oh my gosh I'm never I mean I just I learned a few months ago that <laughs> I mean, the statistics, take them or leave them. But every day there's over a year of material uploaded on YouTube. <laughs> so like, and YouTube is one channel among how many other channels? So there's no way to stay current. Mm-hmm. You're not going to stay current. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. always, which I think speaks to that, um, why diversity is so significant and why, whether your network and constantly growing your network more than like even doing the research yourself, <laughs> mm-hmm. my short list of people of who to call when like 
in my carrot braiding projects, or there's this, <laughs> this very interesting disease that I've never seen on the farm before. And mm. yes, I can do this research on my own, but how amazing that I have this short list that's rather long of amazing people who I can call up on the phone and be like, Erwin, what's going on? Yes, I hope you're having a great day. And Erwin will pick up the phone and be so delighted that I called. It's oh. this absolute magic. And, and so, yeah, like I, I'm constantly... I'm constantly fighting that despair and that dynamic tension to not throw myself under the bus and keep, you know, especially, and Casey, you've been an amazing mentor in this for me because I, I love the plants and I love the food and I love the people and the technology is this piece where I'm like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> you have singularly helped me more than anyone else be able to look find that mirror and then have the confidence to look into it and then see myself in it and be able to work with that technology, making it my own and mm. getting to have my own sensibility and vocabulary around it. So, awesome. That is, that is awesome. It was my pleasure. I love it. And I, it's, yeah, it's just, it's so cool to be a part of the journey. And I think that you are such a great example for people to not be afraid to reach out for help. And I think that this has been such a reoccurring theme um, for all the information that I've been taking in this week. I just listened to a TED Talk from Amanda Palmer on the art of asking. Awesome. And it was so good. And it was just, it was kind of foreign to me because I don't really quite have those skills of asking. So totally. I'm like really just in awe. And I really see how it can build the community and how it brings people together and it unites people and it gives people these wins. Like we innately as humans feel good when we do good and we feel good when we see good. There's been scientific studies that the serotonin increases in our brain, our feel good hormones increase, and that they watch that when somebody even witnesses an act of kindness, that more kindness spreads. So it's just this massive ripple effect. So I love the fact that you pick up the phone and call Irwin, you know, and then on the flip side, you're the very first one to give back to the community. You're the very first one to have a sandwich board that says, free meal, my friends, come and join us for dinner, which in 2018, I've never seen anywhere else. I really haven't because people are so afraid. They're locking their doors and windows many times, you know? So we're so blessed, one, to be in such a supportive community, but two, to have very like just, you know, daring souls that have a big open heart and faith that people want to do good. And the more good just stimulates more good. So I think that's so cool. I mean, I was just walking the other day. I happened to walk by your house. I saw Matthew and he's like, Oh, hi, do you want some shallots? You know? And it was just like, it was so cool. You know? And I'm just like, of course I could do shallots in my life tonight. You know? And it's just like, and he was so generous and just so natural and such a kind spirit. And there I had my little bundle of shallots walking on my way back, you know, and that's what community is about. You know, it's like awesome. relying on each other's strengths and loving each other. And so I just, it's really so beautiful. We're really blessed to have you as an example of just showing us, you know, showing us the way, you know, and that it can be simple. 
It doesn't have to be so complex. It can be really simple and really grassroots. The other thing, speaking to your dinner sandwich board and food and connection and community, I would love it if you could talk a little bit about how you feel the importance food plays in community. Oh my goodness. Well, what are you doing tonight, Casey? <laughs> this is a whole other conversation. I know. It's just a small question. Just a little question. I mean, to me, and of course, whatever you see, we all have our focal points that the world then radiates away. So food is my, I see it as this wherever I go. And I love to travel. So I see, and because that is my orientation, just food and you are what you eat. And that, and I see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it had how the time that you decide to eat and how you decide to eat it and who you are eating with, much less what you're eating. I mean, any everything about our lives says everything about our lives. And food is just it's so it's so central and it's so telling to me. Even in my life, I grow such amazing food and I love to cook. And how often do I really take the time to make the kind of food that is why I grow food to begin with? Oh, I, it's easy for me to be on a zoom podcast and having brushed hair and look at my fingernails. They're not completely filthy. Um, (laughs) it's amazing to me how fast, how, I mean, and I love just stir fried vegetables with a few sauces and that's like dreamy, easy. Like I've perfected, relatively perfected the art of quick, fast, but amazing food. But it's still, I totally, I never got before I started a business, why there's Starbucks everywhere Mm. and why there's just on every corner. What? Another Dunkin' Donuts? Another, how, what? And now I totally get it. And I don't even have kids. (laughs) I totally get it. (laughs) And so I think it's just a really huge testament to how much we rely on not only fast food, but on like packaging and it's a, you know, we're, we're in deep, but I feel also in just lifting up Naples for a moment, our little town that I love that we both call home. I love that I grew up taking for granted. Naples is my hometown that great pies are a thing. And, you know, (laughs) and it wasn't until now I'm a teenager and visiting people in other parts of the country and other parts of the world and, and we're talking about food and I'm talking about grape pies and they're like, what? That sounds gross. A grape pie? And I'm like, yeah, they're made of Concord grapes. You never heard of grape pie? And I'm just so delighted that in this day and age where we all know what a Snickers bar is, mm. that I come from a town that hardly anyone outside of a 20 mile radius knows what a grape pie is. Mm. And so it's just this constant reminder to me that we have the opportunity to everything we do is building culture and within ourselves and within our broader public life. And the fact that we have the opportunity to build something that is so deeply regional is just, wow. And there's, there's no Yosemite outside of Yosemite. Mm-hmm. No, you have to go to Yosemite to experience Yosemite. And I love that you kind of have to come to Naples to have a great pie in the world. <laughs> you do. You do. Naples is it's such a rich community. Absolutely. When you were talking about kind of like fast food and like um, 
finding little ways to trim things down because you are a business owner and it's very easy to get caught up into the next big thing or the podcast or another uh, educational channel that you should, you know, know. Um, what are some other things that you personally do to kind of avoid burnout in your business? I have dogs. <laughs> yes. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> So adorable, <laughs> and I think pets in general. You know, Benny, like pet, pets are so essential, and that like love that's so unconditional that's available to us in so many forms. Mm. But pets are an exquisite, <laughs> and they are clean, clear, direct, literal manifestation <laughs> of that love. Um, I love that you said that because so many times when we think of it, I know even for myself, it's like, where's my to-do list of self-care? You know, take a bath, take a walk, do a this, do a that. It's still a to-do list, you know, even yeah. though it's how to prevent burnout, it totally feels like a to-do list. So I absolutely love that you said pets because we just have to receive. We don't have to do anything. We just have to be. And that unconditional love is there no matter what. You know, it's, it's awesome. I love that you said that. I do want to lift up too, just in the like arc of entrepreneurship and solopreneurship. We didn't have dogs for the first three years and could not have imagined having a dog for the first three years. I mean, it was just, we wouldn't have been able to take them on as much walks and also as many walks and Two, we wanted to get puppies and then train them from their puppiness, which is a huge investment. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen on too many farms when you just get a puppy and don't take that time. And it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Not terrible. It's not great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it no, could be better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and no matter who you are and you're like there you're always there's always gonna be things that you're like reaching for that you want you haven't arrived, right? And that dynamic tension of knowing that this is all there is and this is wonderful, but that you can still like go farther with it. But and and that so year three and we have been talking about the day that we will have arrived and be able to actually maintain animals in our lives. Uh, finally. And Matthew was so, my partner, Matthew was grew up with dogs and like, and we both love so dogs so much, but he was like, all right, I'm so ready. And I was like, I, st I can't, we're still struggling to feed ourselves three meals a day, often two meals a day. Like, are we sure that we can uh, incorporate dogs now? And in that same way, like you have to jump into whatever project you're working on before you're ready because you're never ready. That's true. It's really true. <laughs> I'm so grateful that Matthew, I'm sure, I'm quite sure that I probably still wouldn't, were it my were I the only arbiter of my own fate, <laughs> I still wouldn't have dogs. <laughs> but I'm so thrilled that, that Matthew was really honored his need and that I could um, just, you know, go with the flow. And it was amazing. And I'm like, no, no looking back. Aww. That's so cool. I love that. I love that they're a piece of your world. I love that they spread joy when people visit you on farm. You know, it's really, really cool. What exciting things do you have coming up? I know that uh, that Flourish is your membership site. I don't know if you have a um, some words to share on that or anything you want to share that might be coming up that we need to know about. 
Well, first and foremost, our watermelon and the dahlias party it is open to the public. It's totally free, and we totally need your help, Casey, because we grow hundreds of certified organic watermelons every year just for the seed inside, and then we just get to eat the watermelon. Oh, how fun. We celebrate every year. It's the final Saturday in August every year, and we grow thousands of dahlias as well. So we have long, lovely tables in the middle of our dahlia rows, and we just eat watermelon. So Wow. Oh, my gosh. That sounds, August. that sounds so cool. It sounds like just a throwback in time and such a wonderful, fun thing to do. I love it. Amazing. And there's you know many generations of people, and we have watermelon spitting contests. There's accuracy and distance, and it's just fun and silly, and there's music. And, and yeah, so that's the final Saturday of August from 1 to 4. Awesome. And everyone is invited. And what else about Flourish? I love, so it's been so humbling and you totally helped get Flourish into my brain and off of the ground. And it's still like, I'm talk about dynamic tension every day. I want it to be more and I know that it can be more, but every, every day I'm getting feedback literally from people that are just so delighted by it. And it's it's such a resource. It's so rich. And I love that you're right there. It feels like you're right there with us. I'm a Flourish member and I love it. And it's just like, if I have a question, I know I can go to Facebook. I know I can email you. Like, it's just, it's such a rich community and it really feels like you're not doing it alone. It's like, okay, why does my leaf have a bunch of pinholes in it? Okay, I know where to go, you know, and all of your information is so relevant. I mean, I know just last week I got an email and it was just like, how to do succession planting and what to do with your basil. And I was like, that's exactly what was on my mind. This is perfect timing. You know? I mean, it really is. It feels like you're right there. It feels like, you know, what I imagine the rich people have as a personal shopper. I feel like us like home gardeners that, like, want to grow our own food. I feel like we have this personal expert that's just an arm's distance away. So it is such a tool for people. That's Awesome. I'm so glad. And it brings me so much joy. I mean, I'm such an extrovert. And so something that I struggle with is I really want to see you smile, Casey, because that's going to make me smile because that makes you smile because that makes you smile. And so this like (laughs) totally builds on itself. And yet I know I need to be my own source of self-confidence and love because I won't always see that reflected in the people around me mm-hmm. for various reasons. And so I always am like, and I'm, it's sometimes a little challenging for me in the technology world because I do, and maybe I'm not technically a millennial, but I totally resonate with so many of the millennial hangups where I'm like, but wait, I want this instant gratification of knowing that what I did was important. <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. And it is important. And that's such a key, key point. I really think that this is kind of just a bright light to shine on it for a moment because we may have the tendency to be like, how many likes, how many views, how many shares, what's my engagement? And it's such the other side of this creative love and joy and spreading kindness and knowing having that faith and confidence in your core that your work matters. And I think that if we don't necessarily see that, um, immediate hit or those likes, it doesn't mean that people aren't 
listening and taking it in. It doesn't mean we're not changing lives and changing the world. It could be a slew of so many other things that they're not putting the like or a comment in. And I think that's so important for people to just kind of uh, soak in. And I would love it too. I mean, you've shared so many good nuggets, but if you had like a little mantra or a little like parting words of wisdom that could just kind of shine the light for people based on your experience and moving forward, what would that be for our listeners? Mm, that depends on the day. And today I'm going to say something that I just heard maybe a year ago that has been really coming back for me a lot right now. Um, and it's secondhand talking to a woman who was the gardener at a meditation retreat center. And there was a, for many years and chatted, talking her conversation with this man who had been at this retreat center for years and he was 106 Mm. and he was just so healthy and happy and was out in the garden with her all the time and just so calm and so funny and so perceptive and all like fill in the blank so (laughs) and so she's one day just like you know what how how do you do it Paul and Paul told her I have told myself this since I can remember maybe back in my thirties, since I can remember. You are what you think. You are what you eat and drink. And it's so simple and so profound. And I, especially for me, the eat and drink, like sold, like done, easy. I know it. I breathe it. And the think part, Casey, sometimes is the humbling part because I often am so taken by the world and it's so beautiful Mm -hmm. and I'm so full of awe and joy and connection and interconnection. And, and I'm also so prone. I can't, I can't read the news. I can't listen to the news. And, and I also like looking at spreadsheets all day and like, doing those kinds of things and then making the hard decisions you know, in my business that makes me, and in my life that makes me have more compassion for the fact that there's Starbucks everywhere. I think plenty of thoughts that don't serve me. Mm, we all and do. That reminder that we are, that I are, that I am what I think as much as I eat mm. and probably even more so just sometimes has me on my knees, but most of the time just is this really, it's like this, you know, in when at the end of a Shavasana, a yoga class, sometimes there'll be this, that bell, that tone, Hmm. that like, so like connects all of these spheres and you're so here, but you're so everywhere. Ah, And it's that like, I am what I think. And especially envisioning this 106 year old in a garden. (laughs) Oh, oh my um, gosh. This is is it. I just, I drink what I want, eat what I want, but may my thoughts. (laughs) I could have like endless more episodes with you. It (laughs) would do it. (laughs) So joyous. I really, I feel like. There is, you know, just that um, visual of the the sound gong. It just really Mm. reminded me of that, like effervescent, just like. 
the reverberance of sound and how that is what life is created from. And these conversations really remind me of that as well because they give us a taste of that and they bring it to a level that we can grasp and understand and something that we can really take deeply into our hearts. So thank you so, so much. I'm going to ponder and meditate deeply on your words of wisdom. I know that our listeners are going to thoroughly enjoy this. It was like you watered the dry soil. So thank you so much for rejuvenating our, our hearts and our souls, Petra. It is a true gift to have you in my life. And also, I'm so honored to share this with people that are new to you. I definitely connect with Petra. Uh, and I will share all of her links in the show notes. Thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you, Casey. Can't do it without you, and I wouldn't want to either. Mm-hmm. All right, until next time, my friend. <laughs> <laughs>